BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art. This is a podcast that explores the themes of self and community healing, whether as an artist, curator, collector, or admirer. I am your host, Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a Chicano clinical psychologist with a passion for promoting and preserving Chicano Latinx art. I'm working in conjunction with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, an online marketplace that showcases and promotes the work of Chicano Latinx artists throughout the United States. Our guests for the podcast will include celebrated artists, collectors, curators, and influencers who will share their experiences and perspectives on Chicano Latinx art as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx art. Our guest for today's podcast is Angelina Sainz. Angelina Sainz is a Chicana award-winning public teacher and poet whose work focuses on memory, women, and motherhood. She is a UCLA Writing Fellow and alumni of the Voices Workshop for Writers of Color and a Macondo Writers Workshop Fellow. Her poetry has appeared in multiple prestigious publications. She hosts a monthly poetry reading at the Avenue 50 studio in Los Angeles. Her debut book of poetry, Edgecliff, was released in December 2021 with Flower Song Press and is available on Amazon.com. Angelina, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me, George. I'm so happy to be here. Great. Why don't we just get started? Uh, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about your childhood and what life was like growing up? Well, I grew up in Silver Lake. And in the 70s and 80s, my mother is a Mexicana from Nayeri, and my dad um, was born in the Rio Grande Valley, Chicano. Um, when I was five, my dad left, and my mother was alone with four kids. She was an alcoholic and uh, a waitress, and she was also illiterate. So unlike the Silver Lake of today, the Silver Lake of the 70s and 80s uh, was really rough. And there was a lot of violence. There was a lot of poverty and unemployment. And we were, the kids were alone most of the time. Um, and uh, it was a, a really difficult childhood. But as I said in one of my poems of my book, Edgecliff, you know, we had each other. 
So um, lots of difficulty and complicated experiences. And at the same time, as I think is common for our community, there was a lot of love and solidarity. And uh, what was your first exposure to poetry? Well, I have always been a reader and a writer. And I didn't know that I was writing poetry. Um, When I was in seventh grade, a teacher, her name was Miss Pride, an African-American English teacher at King Junior High, pulled me inside and said, you're a really great writer. And for whatever assignments I was turning in, and that really stuck with me. Somewhere in the back of my head, I thought, I'm a writer. And um, so since, you know, I have journals back to when I was 15 years old, and I was just writing down lines. So since I was really young. Um, So tell us about how did you begin your career as a poet? When I was 18, 19, 20, which was um, late 80s, early 90s, um, in undergrad at Occidental College, there were um, spaces to share um, and to listen to poetry. And those spaces opened up a connection to um, the Chicano poets in L.A., um, like uh, Liz Gonzalez, Olga Garcia. And I did read um, for like three or four years I experienced it as pure expression. I didn't think a lot about editing or revising. And then I got married and I started teaching and I started having kids. And it wasn't until I got divorced in 2015 that I felt like I had a clean slate and what was I going to do different with my life. And um, I enrolled in an MFA program in writing. And uh, that is where I um, began formally studying and writing poetry. Who were your uh, Chicano Latinx mentors uh, as, a, as a young poet? Well, there are two of them. Um, you know, the first Chicano poetry I ever read was at the County Library in East L.A., and it was Jimmy Santiago Baca's books. When I um, picked up Martin and Meditations on the South Valley, I had never read poetry like that that I resonated with. And um, so definitely Jimmy Santiago Baca and Gloria Anseldua was a defining force in my life and continues to be her work and her writing. Can you tell us about her work and why it's been such an influence on you? Well, Gloria Anseldua um, is very complex. Um, I feel like she provides a space that is very honest and nuanced and, you know, talks about the good and the bad about our culture and our experiences. But every time she talks about our people in our community and critiques it, for me, I experience pure love. So it's not a criticism and a rejection. It's a criticism and a question about what can we do to change 
the aspects of our culture and our community that are life depriving. And uh, I really appreciate the complexity of what she proposes and her thinking and her work around healing. Interesting. So much of your work is autobiographical. How do you think that writing poetry contributes to your self-healing? Well, it's the way that I um, get things out of my body. I feel that um, unless I get it out somehow, either by talking about it or writing about it, um, whatever negative experiences that I have will just live in my body if I don't find a way to process and release it. So writing is a way um, that I can remember and name and heal the things that could be toxic for me. What have been some career markers uh, as a poet for you? Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think starting my MFA program was significant. To be honest, I went, I was a mom. I was a kindergarten teacher. I was newly divorced and I went into my MFA program real goofy, feeling like I want to devote two years to reading, discussing what I'm reading and to writing and developing my craft. I didn't anticipate that, you know, academia, you know, it sometimes it, it has less to do with actual learning and content than competition and um, arrogance and, you know, um, people really wanting to assert themselves in their um, field. And so I felt that there was a lot of... Um, disrespect and disregard for the work that I was doing. And there was more respect me as your professor um, and, you know, follow my instruction. So that was a very defining experience for me because I just felt really blindsided by what was happening in, in the academia aspect of it. Um, 
you know, I was given a, a mentor with a pen organization, and that is Jessica Ceballos. And she really took me under her wing. She offered me to be the host of La Palabra Poetry. And she really, you know, kind of opened up the world of the current, you know, um, poetic landscape in Los Angeles. And so she has been um, a very important person in my life. And through her, I've just been able to meet so many people and do so many activities. And, um, you know, I have to say that Matt Cedillo, uh, poet, uh, who I met because we did a series called Mexican Schools, which was a presentation um, and poetry responding to the segregation of Mexicano children in United States public schools. And he was is a friend who continued to ask me for my manuscript and actually set a deadline for me to, to, to give it to him, which was the thesis that I did for my MFA program. And, um, you know, he gave it to Edward Vidaure, who is the um, publisher at Flower Song Press, and um, Edward uh, asked to publish Edgecliffe. Uh, I think my two residencies at Vona, Voices of Our Nation, um, writing residency and the Macondo writing residency, which was started by Sandra Cisneros, was also very significant. And these were spaces with writers that really celebrated and supported and encouraged each other. Uh, and so where I have been with people of color um, has always and consistently been very supportive and encouraging. Um, how, about, how have your experiences as the Chicana influenced your poetry? Well, it's interesting because... You know, when I was growing up, there was so much substance abuse. There was so much incarceration. Uh, I know that the 80s and early 90s, you know, Los Angeles was considered a killing field. Um, there were tens of thousands of young people that were murdered. And, you know, education was not, um, an ex you know, so many of us were dropping out. And, um, you know, walking the stage was always such a big deal because it was who was walking the stage uh, in high school. And as a very um, sensitive person, I never understood what was happening um, around us. I couldn't make sense. It just everything seemed like so catastrophic, including my own life. And so... My brother was in juvenile hall. He got out. He enlisted in the Army and Reserve and also started community college at um, L.A. City College. And the first class he took was a Chicano studies class. And he brought the textbook home and I devoured it. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it was Rudy Acuña's Occupied America that I was reading, or maybe it was a reader, but... For the first time, I could, it could, I, I could understand what was the condition of my people. For the first time, incarceration, substance abuse, police brutality, violence was all put into perspective for me. 
And, and it completely changed my life. And I didn't feel defeated by what was happening in my environment anymore. I felt that I had to do something about it. And so I became very politically active um, as a 16, 17-year-old. So being Chicana is my historical uh, identity. And it explains, you know, the history of my people and the, the situations that we continue to face. What do you consider to be one piece of your poetry that is like your masterpiece? Um, I feel that my poem, uh, I come from a place where all we knew was to be ghetto fabulous and together is probably one of my most important poems. Would you be able to share that with us? Of course. I love it. Yes. I had another poem set aside that is about kind of uh, our our experiences with mental health. So if there is a chance to read that one, when we get to talking about healing, I would love to read that. I love it. We can read that one at the end. And so we have something to look forward. Then we'll have something to look forward to. All right, go ahead. I come from a place where all we knew was to be ghetto fabulous and together. Before you start taking out your pinche black and white photos of your tatarabuelo de Francia con sus ojos verdes and your bisabuela Eugenia from the Tarahumara tribe, no, I don't have a single goddamn picture to show you of my ancestors. Before you pull out your map showing me where Fulano boarded his boat in the Bay of Biscay, arriving in your mother's hometown in Zacatecas, or the pueblo that four generations of your gente were born into. No, my mother was born in the Nayarit jungle to my 14-year-old grandmother, and no one can say who the father is, and that I may not even be a padilla, porque mi bisabuela era puta, and there is no judgment there. Before you tell me of caps and gowns, cheerleaders and jocks, and that you were voted most likely to succeed. No, I come from a place of flunking fools, 0.0 grade point averages. Before you share your tips about the bands playing in Echo Park or the best ramen in Silver Lake or how Hollywood is now called the East Side, no, my people's blood pulled on your corners as men masturbated in their cars on sunset and my mother lay face down intoxicated on the Lucille midnight sidewalk. Profound, profound. Bravo, bravo. Tell us about how the process of writing poetry facilitates insight into yourself and, and your particular traumatic experiences? So poetry helps me really distill what the point is 
that I need to know to really advance in my development. For example, um, I was closing my blinds. I, I'm in, I was at my house and I was closing the blinds. And as I was closing the blinds, I looked outside and I thought to myself, you know, I always, I had, I was dating at the time and, and I had had, so, I had broken up so many times with my guys. And I thought I always wanted somebody to stand at the bottom of my window and beg me to go back with them. Right. And, and as I was closing my blinds and looking below my window and thinking about that, I thought, what is that about? Why did, why did you always want one of these guys to come back and beg you? to get back together with them and to uh, say they made a mistake. And at that moment, I realized that, you know, my dad left when I was five and I always wanted my dad to come back and beg for my forgiveness and ask me to take him back after, according to me, I've come a long way from these feelings, but at that time and as a child and as a young adult, I felt that my father had abandoned me. And so my poems are, are always showing you what I'm thinking about. And I'm constantly interrogating my, my impressions and, and trying to connect those impressions of my current life to my point of reference as a child. And so that particular poem that I wrote about where I said, I always wanted a guy to come back and beg for me. Uh, to take him back and ask for my forgiveness allowed me to really see that that was my foundation with my father. I always wanted my father to come back and ask for my forgiveness and beg me to take him back. Interesting. In terms of self-healing, there seems to be this resilience that comes up in your theme is comes up as a common theme throughout your poetry. And I think some of the most humorous poems that I've read by you are those about your children. How does being a mother affect your poetry? And how do your children feel about being featured in your poems? Well, you know, I feel that I do share a lot about my family on social media. Um, and I, I, one of the things that I'm really committed to is for my, for me to break the karmic cycle of, um, disunity and disrespect, which has been really the thread that runs in my family and with my parents and my siblings. Part of me sharing about my children and my mothering is about me wanting to share with our community that we can have healthy conversations, honest conversations, and um, that we can be very explicit with our children about uh, our hopes for them and our suggestions and guidance for them on how to live. So my children are used to, you know, being 
public as a family and and sharing anecdotes about us. We're at the point now, though, with photographs where they'll say, wait, 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 let me look at that picture before you post it. So, you know, they're they're teenagers now and, and they care more about what they look like. But the content, you know, they're they're embracing and they're strong and clear boys. And I'm always putting everything in a historical context for them as Chicanos. At this point, they haven't shared that they, you know, that they identify gender-wise otherwise. But uh, as Chicanos, I'm, I'm constantly talking to them about, you know, our lives and our actions and what it means for our community and for us to always be models of living responsibly and emotionally intelligent. How do you see poetry as healing, as contributing to healing in the Chicano Latinx community as a whole? Chicano poetry, Chicanx poetry, really can help us see ourselves. So one of the poems, you know, that I hope I can read before we end is called All of the Women I Know. And it's a poem about the reality that most of the women I know that are my age were molested. And women have expressed to me in that poem that they never thought about that. And also that they never admitted that their mother did not protect them. And sometimes allowed the abuse to continue and looked the other way. And of course, all of our mothers were victims as well. So it's a cycle of sexual abuse that's in our community. And that poem gives us the space to talk about our experiences, to talk about how we feel about our mothers, and to begin that healing process that otherwise wouldn't exist if that poem didn't exist. So our poetry can really present us with themes that allows us to self-reflect and to begin to process the experiences that we've had, both good and bad, to really celebrate and to also begin a conversation around healing some of these uh, experiences that we've had. What advice would you have for uh, younger Chicanos who are interested in becoming poets? Definitely keep writing. When we start writing, we do have our own voice. And once we start exposing our writing to others, we start to get feedback. And sometimes that feedback can interfere with our voice. And then maybe we want to start tailoring our work supposedly to get other people's approval. And so I would really challenge, you know, Chicanx poets to keep writing and also to start looking for spaces where folks can help them hone their craft of poetry. For example, looking at line breaks. Uh, I was looking at a poem yesterday and I thought, oh my God, I wouldn't write that like that today, right? 
Line breaks are important to look at economy of words. Do you need those articles? Do you need um, that extra word, that line? So there are things about our craft that we should be talking about. The voice and the content itself, we have to uh, protect that. And we have to stay true to what we want to say. And so really resist wanting to write for the approval of other people. Beautiful. What was the worst feedback you ever received? Well, when I was in my MFA program, my professors And this, all of these poems were the poems that I worked on in my MFA program. And three or four of my professors, there was only five professors. One was my absolute cheerleader and continues to be a very dear friend. His name is Guy Bennett. The other professors uh, really did not like the anecdotes of my poems. They felt that it should have been more abstract more uh, image-based and um, through almost all of them, except for Guy Bennett, told me that my work was not poetry, that they were just memories. Interesting. Um, and what was the best feedback you ever received? Or let's say advice Um, The best feedback I received was from Willie Perdomo, who's currently the New York State Poet Laureate, um, Puerto Riqueño poet. And he gave me the advice, which I just shared, which is keep your voice and continue to hone the craft of writing poetry. One of the interesting things about you, I find, is that you were you were a teacher, and I used to love reading about your experiences as a teacher and the children. And recently, you decided to stop teaching. Can you tell us what happened? Yes. So I did go to LA Unified. I did drop out of LA Unified, and then I began community college. And I didn't want to be a teacher. I received a scholarship to Occidental College after the Rodney King Rebellion. They wanted to to pay, give a full ride to 12 urban kids. So I was one of those kids. I went to Occidental. I actually studied theater and anthropology. And when I finished, I was thinking about how I was going to go into theater when I realized LA Unified was kind of hiring everyone off the streets, honestly. This was 1999. And um, I figured, well, I'll teach for a year to get my life together, my head together after graduating, and then I'll go ahead and pursue my acting career. And it turns out the school that I first taught at for LA Unified was an Echo Park. And I was teaching the children of people that I grew up with. And again, understand, you know, very strong uh, gang 
history, a really strong um, substance abuse. I mean, I I come from the hood, right? So these were all my people, and this was their children I was teaching. And uh, I was actually really good at it. And so I, I stayed teaching for 23 years. I resigned. Yesterday was my first day in 23 years that I was not an LA Unified employee. And uh, I've always given 100%. I've received a lot of awards for my teaching and for building the dual language program at Aldama Elementary in Northeast LA. And uh, I'm really an all or nothing person. And I only give 100%. I don't half-ass anything. But it got to the point where when I was thinking ahead to August, like in two months, next month, the thought of um, the bandwidth needed to continue to be 30 hours a week, completely present with small children, didn't seem sustainable anymore. And so I gave my resignation in March. I had no idea what I was going to do next, but has since been hired by uh, a consulting firm to work with teachers on professional development. And uh, so that's great. But I just knew that I, I physically and mentally could not be 100% with children anymore. And I didn't want to be with children um at 50% or even 90%. So I'm either going to do it 100% or I'm not going to do it at all. And so that was what led to me deciding to resign. With that said, what is your vision for yourself as a poet? Well, thank you for mentioning my poems about teaching because my next uh, poetry book is uh, a poem, a book of poems about teaching. And then uh, I have two other books after that that are already written. I just have to put together. So it is to continue to write poetry. And I would like to um, begin writing short stories and screenplays in the future, but definitely to continue uh, to write poems uh, responding to different themes of my life. And thank you so much for that. You know, I had read your po uh, I had read Edgecliff, and your poems really touched me, and that's why I wanted you to be our one of one of the guests on our podcast. So that is all the t time that we have for today. Uh, could you lead us out with one of your poems, please? Thank you, George, for having me. I truly appreciate and admire you and the work that you do, and really elevating us as artists. And uh, you're a very special person in my book. Okay, so here is the poem. Most of the women I know were molested by the time they were in fifth grade. None of the men strangers, all of them, neighbors, fathers, uncles, brothers, cousins, friends. Where the fuck were our mothers? They knew and blamed us or didn't know and still blamed us, or they didn't know and said it happened to them too, so get over it, or what were we doing there anyway? Not one mujer has told me 
that their mother stood up for them and confronted or banished perpetrators. True and sad story. Events are always the same. Quick snatch in a crowded or empty room. Wounding shame that follows decimates. Scar tissue tightens and stretches through motherhood, our careers, our relationships. Look at us, grown women in our 40s, coffee mugs in our hands at our kitchen table, crying about the time. That man touched us. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Again, Angelina Signs and her book Edgeclift is Edgeclift is available on Amazon.com. Thank you again, Angelina. Gracias, George. Thank you for joining us on Healing with Dr. George, The Power of Chicano Latinx Art. Please continue to tune into our series as we explore the themes of self and community healing through Chicano Latinx art. Also, don't forget to visit the website www.latinoarte.com in order to view the beautiful array of Chicano Latinx art that is available to add to your own collection. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.